I just want to thank our partner, Mira Fertility Tracking, for working with us to help women to get connected to the opportunity to actually measure hormones at home. It is the technology that I personally use during my menopausal transition. It was life-changing for me. You can find more information on Mira on our website at menocoaching.com, and you can also find it on our show notes. We look forward to supporting you and your hormone transition. Welcome to What I Wish I Knew. I'm your host, Irene Ortiz-Glass. What I Wish I Knew is dedicated to providing women with information and a guided path to finding healing, purpose, and joy. It is also to provide women with power and permission to go inward during the time of perimenopause and menopause to find their inner compass while actively making choices that allow them to thrive during this period of time in life. In this season, we are focusing on issues surrounding the menopause transition and What I Wish I Knew. Today on our podcast, it is my absolute honor and thrill to have Kristen Taylor with us today. Uh, Kristen is a life and executive coach with over 20 years of counseling and coaching experience. In her practice, she blends elements of neuroscience, nervous system regulation, mindfulness, and psychology into her approach, relying heavily on teaching self-compassion. She speaks on issues of mental health and stress management in the workplace and hosts the podcast, How I Made It Through which explores the intersection of spirituality and resilience. So Kristen, you and I know each other well. Um, you do work with us both at Leadership Advisory Group and in Menno Coaching. And I am just so fortunate and blessed to have met you because the work that I believe that you do with our clients and with other people in the world is so very important to healing and to health. And so would love to just spend a little bit of time getting to know you. Um, perhaps like all of our guests, I like to understand like what brought you to this work? You know, choosing a career in this space is quite unique. So how did you end up as a, as a life and executive coach in the space? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. And I love that you are doing this show. If I had had this show five years ago, it would have been so meaningful. So love you paying it forward. I feel like this field chose me. So mm -hmm. starting back, I'm gonna get way, way back. Go back, go back. So as a child, I grew up in a family where there was domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And that impacts everyone. And the reason I share that is both that it connects to why I chose this, as well as the conversation we're gonna be talking about in terms of trauma. I'm highly sensitive. I can become dysregulated very, very easily. So it's got its gifts, and the gifts are high empathy, high intuition, like just this awareness, which is a beautiful thing, but it requires special handling. Yeah. And so my background was such that um, my family got into therapy early because my brothers, both of them, became drug addicts as teenagers. Yeah. And what that allowed is for them to get into inpatient treatment, which mm. meant the whole family had to get into treatment, which That's was amazing. such a blessing. Yeah, totally. And blessing. I, yes, and I started to recognize as I was watching the therapist and we'd be in these multifamily groups. And this is very much on my mind because I'm writing a book and I had just created this scene. 
and remembering as I was listening to the kids and the adults and the families and the therapists, just really connecting to this capacity that I recognized that I had that others didn't have mm-hmm. is to feel energy in the room yeah. and to have an understanding of like, I don't know, I don't even have the words, but I feel her. I feel him. Yeah. There's something here that other people aren't connected to. Oh my gosh. I, I, I can't even express to you how I relate to that. I write in my own book about, um, I could feel a, 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 feel a movie and I can feel music in a way that is like so heightened. It's hard to describe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it was during that episode, that chapter, that season in my life, when I started to go, hmm, I need to pay attention to this. Yeah. And so college, got a background or excuse me, a degree in psychology. And then I went to graduate school. I thought I wanted to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so um, my internships and my practicums were in hospitals. Mm homeless shelters. And then my first job as a therapist was as a crisis counselor. And I couldn't do it. It was too overwhelming, much pain, especially with my nervous system and my background of trauma. Yeah. And just living with all this vicarious trauma. And I had had a cancer diagnosis at that point. So I was working with people with cancer. So I was really drawn to it doing guided imagery and art therapy. But I would carry it with me. Yeah. And so I pivoted away from the licensure route, and I had a number of years, almost a decade, where I felt like I was floundering. Looking back, I realized I wasn't, but at the time, I felt a little bit aimless, yeah. and I had just been laid off from a job. And um, I was looking for work, and I, I think it was even like the newspaper or something, <laughs> like it was that long ago, and I saw a job for a coach, and I was like, a coach? And it was a company called Inside Track, and they do success coaching for colleges and universities across the nation. And I got the job, and it changed my life. And once again, it was one of those things where I stepped mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. I was like, I'm kind of good at this because Amazing. it's about listening and connecting. And so that opened the door to coaching. And then about six years ago, it all it's kind of fuzzy, I started my own practice. Amazing. What a great mm-hmm. journey. And again, it's like turning your experiences right into an actual purposeful career is kind of where the magic happens, right? I think you and I both have that in common. It's like a gift. It's not work. It's like living your purpose. That's what makes it so wonderful. So, yes. So let's talk about trauma. You know, I, I'm pretty honest. I had a lot of it growing up and, you know, trauma for me in the beginning of my life was really hard, but then it was the traumatic experience of my son's illness that triggered pushing me into perimenopause in a way that was pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, I didn't understand it at the time, the connection between trauma and, you know, my body and my mind and how much, mm-hmm. you know, it was pushing me in directions I wasn't even thinking it could, it could push me into. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's maybe first define it. You know, what is trauma? You know, people throw the word around, but I'm not sure if they actually understand it. So how would you define trauma for our listeners? Well, I'm grabbing my glasses and I'm grabbing my cheat sheet here because I'm a huge fan of Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah, me too. Huge. Huge. And his seminal book, The Body Keeps the Score, completely changed my life. It was able to put words to my experience. And so I want to borrow his words because I feel like I could never say them quite as well. In preparation for this question, um, Trauma is an event that overwhelms the central nervous system. So it alters the way we process and recall memories. So it's not the story of something that happened back then. 
It's the current imprint of the pain, horror, and fear that's currently living in people. That's how he describes it, and that's how I experience it. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's like a very visceral internal reaction to a picture in your mind that you only you would ever see. And I think that is so very powerful what you just said, because we all have our own internal picture and it's different for everybody. But if you've had trauma and you get yourself there, man, you feel it. Well, it's interesting that you say picture, because when I think about the work that I've done in my own healing and the work I get to guide some people through, is when learning about the vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve, which touches all the organs in the body and is such a pivotal nerve to understand in terms of trauma recovery, is that so much communication goes from the body to the brain. I think you read it's like 80% is body to the brain, except for we spend so much time therapeutically coaching, trying to reframe thoughts. Yeah. But it's those pictures or those cues there are safety cues and there are danger cues. And if you have a background where there is trauma, things that are innocuous to other people, yeah. sounds, smells, pictures, mm-hmm. voices, they're very, very triggering. And suddenly the dysregulation can flood you. Yeah. And that reignites the horror of the memory in the body. And your mind is saying, I'm fine, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm reframing, I'm you know, all of these affirmations, and yet the body is saying, no, you are not safe. I have a friend who is, you know, she's in her 50s, but she has a really hard time going home um, to her house where she grew up because there was Mm -hmm. trauma in her home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she really has struggled to express to her mother why she cannot go home. Mm. And so she, because she knows the work I do, shared with me. And I said, girl, that's real. Yes. And and I think just saying that that's real and it's okay gave her permission to kind of like let loose a little bit on what had happened to her and why it was hard. And Mm -hmm. I think we need more permission, you know, through people like yourself to talk about these issues. I mean, I'm an executive coach, but I'm not a trauma expert. I don't have the depth, but I've experienced it. And I worked in areas of healing myself. The vagus nerve thing's super fascinating. I speak about this often. I used to sing in my room all the time when I was a kid because I was there was fear in the house for me so I would sing like all day and here I am like I don't know junior high I don't know why I'm singing all the time with the music loud but I was trying to stimulate my vagus nerve I was trying to heal my body without even knowing it and that's just so cool to think that in ourselves we have answers that we don't even know are there I love that so much it's that self-soothing and there's an intelligence there yeah Inner wisdom, right? Inner wisdom. I love that. And I also want to underscore what you said about her just giving it voice. I think there's this perception, excuse me, especially when we're the ones who are like the professionals, you know, I'm an executive coach, I'm a life coach, I have a training as a therapist. To be flawed is so important to give permission, the vulnerability to say, I'm hurting too. That we get to be a community working alongside one another. And what I've noticed when, you know, I don't share big stories with all of my clients, but in times where I've said, I I understand Mm -hmm. and share it even a little, it's like, I can connect to you. I feel safe with you. Mm -hmm. I I, I could not agree more. I'm pretty vocal about my experiences, but when I do find someone just can't let go, I'll say, listen, let me just tell you a little story. Yes. 
and they just break down because no one else has seen them. Yes. And we just want to be seen. It's exactly know? right. So let's let's go into this body brain thing. So how does trauma sort of work inside of our brain and our body? Like what's the impact it, that it can have, right? Especially if, you know, I think there's trauma and then there's unreconciled trauma that's never been worked through, right? Yeah. There's so much to say to that, and I am not a trauma expert. I am someone who works with people around trauma to help with stress resilience and help to regulate the nervous system, but I want to be clear about that. So one of the sayings I love is that neurons that fire together wire together. And so with the idea of neuroplasticity, meaning we can rewire our brain with new habits around thinking, feeling, believing, movement, breathing, sleep, um, all the things that we really should be doing to care for these precious bodies and these precious operating systems that are our nervous systems. Um, if there's been a habituated response and adaptation to survival, you can be caught, I was caught, in what's called sympathetic activation. Mm. So the nervous system evolutionarily is there to keep us safe. And if you are continually feeling unsafe, then this is the area you go into. Think of what that's doing to your adrenals, yeah. to your cortisol. And these yeah. deep grooves, I think about it, let's say you're living in a home and it's the winter and it's snowing and every day you need to go to the car and back. And yeah. there's one route. That gets very deeply grooved and the snow sure. banks get higher and higher and that's the one route, even though there's a whole, you know, front yard that you could be traversing across, but you're only using one way over and over and over again. So yeah. that's the body saying, okay, this is how we operate. This is how we live. Things are not safe. Yeah. Right. So that's the way I think about it. Um, it's great. But the nervous system, we need to get into parasympathetic and have more experiences of safety to yeah. recognize that um, you can have peace and yeah. your body doesn't need to be so vulnerable to disease, illness, yeah. right? No, I, I, I think what you just said is like so important. You can have peace. You know, like it's so interesting. I never really thought about it until I got older and was not having much peace that mm -hmm. it was even possible. And so mm -hmm. for anybody listening... If you're struggling, if you have a past and you've had traumatic experience, just know that there is hope on the other side, whether that's through therapy or interventions with doctors or whatever it is, there is definitely healing on the other side, but you've got to do the work. You, know? you have to it's, do the work. Yeah. You know, it's so work. interesting because even a number of years ago when I first was starting my coaching practice, and even before that, when I think about the time of perimenopause and then yes. menopause, the conflation of these events that were in my life, like deaths and caring for a mother with Alzheimer's and having a child and marital challenges all happening at the same time that this is happening with your body. Yes. It can feel like I cannot imagine ever sleeping well, yeah. ever not feeling like I'm fighting back a panic attack. Totally. And so now when I'm able to have conversations like this, meet strangers, do things that before I wanted to do but felt too scary because I felt like my nervous system was just too dysregulated for me to be present to anything ambitious yeah. or wonderful in my life. Yeah. When it happens, I'm like, I'm healing. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah. The work does make a difference. 
It does. And I always tell people it's not like a pill that you take or a process that's one and done. I feel like I'm always working on it. And some days are better than others, right? Some days I have a day where I'm off and, you know, I don't understand. And I go back and go, it's that, you know, coming back in, trying to come back again. But I'm much more aware of how to deal with it. Um, But let's talk about hormones for a second. So, you know, my overall experience in treating women in this space and working in my own body is is this very strange feeling of your body being weakened. So perimenopause is a time of extreme fluctuations of estrogen and progesterone, and the cortisol levels are extremely high and dysregulated as well. If you've had a history of trauma, it's been scientifically proven that your cortisol is pretty much tanked out by the time you get to peri. So your sensitivity to pretty much everything, like you mentioned, is really high. But it's also for me and for many women I work with, and it's it's becoming more and more obvious now um, and why we need you so much, is when you are in peri in your weakened state, if you have unresolved trauma that you've never worked on, it comes like flooding in in the form of nightmares for some women, in the form of, you know, like pictures in their mind or visions or just something they did not remember that comes. So, you know, this hormonal period of dysregulation kind of opens the door for that other thing to come in. So maybe can you share a little bit about, you know, why might that be happening? You know, what, what's going on there? What are your thoughts on unresolved trauma? Well, it goes into the body, keeps the score, and I feel like you just explained it incredibly well, incredibly well. So in this weakened state, those memories are locked in the body. They're locked in the nervous system. And all of these, I talked about coping mechanisms and brilliant childhood adaptations. Like think about a little girl or a teenager who is dealing with just such challenging circumstances and she's doing the best she can, you singing. You had yeah. no idea the wisdom. You're f- trying to make it through. Yeah. And these coping mechanisms, some of them are not as good. Right. Some of them, most of them, are about yeah. blocking feeling. Yeah, totally to me, power through. To me, that's the biggest one. Power through. Don't feel it. Whatever yeah. you do, don't feel it. That was me, a thousand million percent. Yes. Keep performing, because if you perform, everybody thinks you're great, and you're great, you feel great. The adrenaline high, the whole thing, high, high, mm-hmm. high, and then... Next thing you know, you're addicted to diet pills, can't get off them, and then you hit menopause, and then the whole wheels fall off the bus. So you name it, I've probably yes. had all of it. Well, that's the thing, though, but a lot of these adaptations around being a good girl, a performer, whatever it looks like for you, it's like these different personas to get through. For me, it was being invisible. If I'm invisible, no one will notice that I'm hurting. No one will pay attention to me. And then I can get that energy off of me because when people were looking at me or expecting things of me, it felt incredibly overwhelming. So yours was to be the performer, the high performer, yeah. the achiever. Right. Other people, it might be something that's not, you know, recognized as valuable. But there is a way that we do it where we create this identity trap. It's not who we are, but it gets reinforced and validated in some way. For me, it was I could be quiet. People mm-hmm. aren't looking at me. I can finally be quiet because I'm so noisy inside mm-hmm. with the overstimulation of being so sensitive. But if you're not looking at me, I can finally have peace. I'm hearing for you, it's what amazing validation of your success in spite of. So these things work until they don't. When the body speaks up and says, I will not do this for you anymore. And we have to figure out who we actually are beyond the trauma response. And that is the invitation. I don't say this in a snarky way, but it is the invitation towards greater self-love and wisdom as a result of perimenopause and menopause that we can 
come into our own in a way that says, if you don't like me, I don't care. If I don't perform or if I'm too noisy, too quiet, whatever it is, I can start to claim who I am. We yeah, are. it was funny. We were talking about that before we got on the podcast, how my husband always says I'm a lot. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> if And if I wasn't, I wouldn't do all these things. Um, yes. And it's, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a different person. I would say that perimenopause and menopause have taught me how to manage my energy and that becoming very aware that I'm very empathic and that I tend mm-hmm. to have heightened response. So when the response comes, I know how to deal with it where before it would come and I would deal with it. However, I felt like dealing in a reactionary way. Now I'm more about what's the right response, right? A mature response. And, and when do I need to step away? And, and perimenopause and menopause really does open that door. Like you mentioned to going inward to like being okay with these thoughts and trying to figure out what is, what is purpose for me? What makes me happy in life? What, and this isn't even just menopause, by the way. This is like a ton nice. of men I coach who are in executive <laughs> roles who are wondering why they're miserable. I mean, it's like, yes. I'm no longer in purpose. Now I just have this big job, make a ton of money, and everybody needs me, and I don't even know why I'm doing it anymore. Exactly. Right? So it's all people. Um, so let's talk about healing, right? You work with people one-on-one to help them heal from past experiences, trauma, their nervous system. What are some things that people can do um, on their own or through help like with coaching to heal from trauma? The first thing is to recognize there's a problem. To really say this is no longer working and to reach out for help, whatever that looks like. There's so many ways that you can do that through therapy, through coaching, pick up a book, talk with a friend, start to recognize I can't do this anymore or I want to do this differently. And then it's, um, there are different modalities like for me, If I'm going to start working with someone, I want them, I always introduce the, um, the traffic light to -hmm. start to build self-awareness to say, okay, so green means I'm in my zone. I'm present. I'm available to laughter. I feel joyous. I feel connected to myself. And if it had words, it would say I am Mm -hmm. get up to yellow. You're a little bit more activated, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Maybe you need to give a presentation Uh, Maybe there's a lot of work you need to do and you need more energy. And if it had words, it would say, I have to. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. a big spectrum. Sometimes I have to is great because I need to get stuff done. But if you can't turn it off and you're trying to sleep and I have to, I have to, I have to. Yes. If that's running too long, then you get to red. Mm. And if it had words, it would say, I can't. And that's burnout. So I want people to start to recognize what am I feeling right now? And as a framework, we're on the traffic light I am. It's Mm -hmm. the beginning place is self-awareness. And then Mm -hmm. there are tools. And one of the things that is so important, I've worked a lot with men and women, and it's um, so interesting to recognize some of the baloney men have had to put put up with being socialized versus what we've had to put up with being socialized. It's not to say one is better or worse. We could have that argument all day long, but there is crap on both sides of it that make practicing self-compassion so important so what i was hearing from you is in those moments where you feel like yeah i've heightened emotions yeah i can be reactive Mm -hmm. self-compassion helps recognize the common humanity when we're not our best selves yeah that we all suffer yeah right yeah and then the capacity to treat ourselves like we would other people Mm -hmm. self-kindness like Mm -hmm. for me because i'm sensitive sometimes i would 
be overreactive or overstimulated or cry. And, you know, my mother growing up and my brothers and my father, you're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. Like it was mm-hmm. this Me weakness. Yeah. yeah. And in those moments of like, yes, this is hurting perhaps more than it would hurt other people. Yeah. And how can I be like, it's okay, sweetheart. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. Maybe I go to bed earlier. But yeah. treat myself well. Totally. Totally agree. Um, yeah, that hormonal transition does require a lot more, you know, self-compassion. Like, what do I need now or today? Mm-hmm. Or how can I be the best to my people, but also to myself? Because yes. I've spent 40 years being great to everybody else, but it's my turn. It's my turn. You know, I hear I won't that a lot. Ab- yeah, I won't abandon. I think we really betray and abandon ourselves. I do too. And, I do too. Um, yeah. We are precious. It does matter. Yeah, and we're all, you know, created differently, right? God gave us all different gifts and different, you know, empathy versus not being as empathic. And, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean one's good and one's bad. It just means it is. And we've got to manage it carefully to treat ourselves with love and therefore treat others with love, right? It's hard to be loving when you don't love yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So, Kristen, I'm just so glad people were able to hear all about this today. How can they find you if they're interested in working with you or seeking additional support for the kind of coaching that you provide in this area? Yeah. Well, luckily, I'm so honored just to be getting working with you. So through the Leadership Advisory and um, Meta Coaching, as well as they can go to my website, which is KristenTaylorConsulting.com, and it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Or they can reach out to me directly at coachkristentaylor at gmail.com. That's fantastic. So for all of our listeners, um, com offers coaching support, testing, um, doctor referrals for hormone therapy, perimenopause, um, issues with PCOS, PMDD. And, um, you know, obviously, please subscribe to What I Wish I Knew on Apple iTunes. Leave us um, a comment on on Apple um, so we know that you're listening and interested in what we have to provide. But just so glad everyone's here today. Thank you for your time, Kristen. So great to have you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you right back. It's such a pleasure. What I Wish I Knew is produced and distributed by EIQ Media Group, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on leadership, mental health, spirituality, women's health, overcoming adversity, and more.